sometime in September. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at your word today, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, move us from where we are into that place that you would have for us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been in a series on the life of Joseph, and the series has been titled, It's Time to Get Up. Today is going to be the last of the series, so those of you who've been waiting to move on beyond Joseph, this is not the last one. And today's message is, it's time to get up reconciliation. Let me ask you this, how many of you have ever had a bad falling out with somebody? Something they did to you seemed like it was just too much to forgive at that moment. It happens with individuals, it happens with families, it happens with nations, it happens with ethnic groups. The desire to make them pay for what they did can go on for decades and even for centuries. How many out there are old Star Trek fans? Alright, going back all the way to the original Star Trek series with Captain Kirk. There was one episode in uh, that series in which there were two aliens. One of them was an officer of the law, and the other one was a fugitive. And the fugitive, he was trying to convince Captain Kirk to give him asylum. And the officer of the law was trying to convince Captain Kirk to give him the God so he could take him back to his home planet because he had been chasing him for decades. And so, uh, when, when he asked them to present their case, uh, the, one, of the things, well, one of the things, though, to notice about was that both men, both of these aliens, were black on one side and white on the other side, right down the middle. And so, the officer accused the fugitive of being a terrorist from a race of people who were violent, evil, and intellectually inferior. And the fugitive accused the officer of being from a race of people that were oppressive, brutal, and outright murderers. And as they presented their side of the case to Captain Kirk, and, and Kirk Conner says, wait a minute, you are both from the same race of people. How can you be claiming such opposite things? And the officer who was chasing the fugitive became very angry at Captain Kirk for saying this. He said, isn't it obvious? We have nothing in common. Captain said, what are you talking about? He said, look at it. He is white on the left side and black on the right side. I am black on the left side and white on the right side. The episode ends with both the future and the officer making it back to their home planet only to discover that their races had completely annihilated each other. You see, oftentimes the result of the unwillingness to reconcile uh, leads to an annihilation of a relationship, an annihilation of a person, or an annihilation of a group. And when Jesus entered the world, he entered it 
reconciled to God. He did not come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And the second reason he came was that we might be reconciled to one another. You see, on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus gave us a prayer in John chapter 17. And in that prayer, as he's praying to the Father, he says, My prayer is not for them alone, referring to the twelve disciples. He says, I pray for also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. We have believed in Christ through the message that has come down to us. And it goes on to say that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world might believe that you sent me. For some reason, it's important to God that we learn how to love each other and get along with each other far beyond the differences that we allow to separate us into groups and factions. Now we have been looking at Joseph's life. Give you a brief rundown for those of you here for the first time. As you may recall, Joseph had been betrayed by his brothers because they hated him because he was favored by their father. And they hated him also because he had dreams indicating that he would rule over them. They sold him as a slave to a group of people going to, make, to Egypt to make sure those dreams would never become a reality. After they sold him, they lied to their father about what had happened to Joseph. They made their father think Joseph had been killed, been torn apart by a wild animal. Their father mourned over the loss of his son for years. This was a dark family secret the brothers kept. Joseph goes to Egypt as a slave. He's there for 11 years uh, as a slave. God lifts him up to the top. He's then thrown into prison after being accused falsely of trying to rape his master's wife. And God is with Joseph throughout this ordeal. He kept raising Joseph up to the top, no matter what his circumstances were. And then came that time when Pharaoh had the dream and nobody could interpret it but Joseph. And Joseph, as a result, became ruler of Egypt. Egypt is the only place in the area that you can get food from because Joseph had been, received from God wisdom about the good years and the years of famine that were going to come. So when the famine years got there, into the second year, this famine, not only was it in Egypt, it was also in the land of Canaan, where Joseph's father and brothers were. And so Joseph's father says, I hear there's food in Egypt, go down and get us some. And so these ten of these brothers, they go to Egypt to get food. And Joseph is sitting there on the throne. When he sees his ten brothers come in, he recognizes them immediately. And he says to them, you guys are spies who have come to survey the land so that you can come back and attack us. And the brothers, they all fall down. No, 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 we're not spies. We are all brothers. We all come from the same father. And, and we don't know why you would say we are spies. So Joseph goes ahead and he tells 
brother, we can't get anything. Jacob says, oh no, y'all not taking him. I already lost Joseph. You're not going to take him. They said, well then, don't ask us to go back. How many of you know hunger will do things to you to get you to change your mind? Well, after he got real, real hungry and the food was running out, he told him, he says, okay, you can take Benjamin with us, but why on earth did you tell him you had another brother in the first place? He said, the man specifically asked us about our family. How was we going to know he was going to say, bring your brother Benjamin with him? So they go back to Egypt with Benjamin, and they show up the second time, and have you ever wanted to forgive somebody but you didn't want to forgive them 100%? You, 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 you was willing to forgive them some? Well, this is the predicament Joseph is in. Joseph wants to come up with a scheme how can I keep Benjamin and get rid of the rest of them? You see, Benjamin wasn't among the group of brothers that sold Joseph to Egypt. Benjamin and Joseph had the same mother. And Benjamin and Joseph had been close to each other before all of this took place. So Joseph comes up with a plan and he, he connives and he makes it look like Benjamin is a thief. And Joseph says, whoever gets caught with stealing my cup. That person's going to have to stay in jail with me and the rest of y'all can go home. Well, he sets Benjamin up. Everybody is shocked that Benjamin has this cup. They didn't know he had been set up. And so when they take Benjamin away, all the brothers run. They throw themselves at the feet of Joseph again. You remember Joseph had a dream like this? All of them was going to bow down to him. Well, they all bowed and they all shaking. And they explained, they said, oh, we can't go home without our brother. And, and Joseph, well, he's the one that had come. The rest of y'all, get out of here. He, he wanted to keep Benjamin. <laughs> he wanted them to be a little bit hungry for a little bit longer. And so finally, Judah falls down and Judah says, look, I swore to my father. I would bring him back. Please, let me stay in his place. Because if we get back and our father sees our youngest brother is not with him, it almost killed him when Joseph died. But if he sees his youngest son, we can't stand to see the grief that will come on our father. They'll probably have a heart attack and die right there on the spot. And when Joseph realizes he can't keep Benjamin without hurting his father, he has a change of heart. And Joseph tells him, he decides he's going to reconcile with his brothers. And he decides to come clean. And Joseph reveals to his brother, I am Joseph. And his brothers were stunned beyond unbelief. Don't y'all argue. 
is in charge of Egypt. Bad news! 20 years ago, we lied to you about what happened to Joseph. As a matter of fact, how? When they come and they tell Joseph, Jacob the news, Scripture says, Jacob could not believe that his son was even alive, much less that he was a ruler in all of Egypt. You know what convinced him? When he sent his sons down there, they took Chevrolet carts to bring the food back. When Joseph sent to pick up his father, leader of Egypt, he sent Mercedes-Benz carts to pick him up and the rest of the family. So when his father saw that, he said, I believe my son is alive. I will go to Egypt and see him before I die. And when they get there, Pharaoh is so excited that Joseph's family has come after all. Joseph has saved the nation of Egypt. He gives them the best of the land of Egypt in the land of Goshen, where they multiply greatly. And last week we saw that God was working in all of this in order to continue his plan for the salvation of Jacob and his family and to save the nation of Egypt and to launch the nation of Israel, which would lead to the salvation of the world through the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, when we came to our passage that was read by Gail in uh, Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, it has now been 17 years since Jacob came to Egypt. That means the famine has been over with for 12 years, and life is getting back pretty much to normal. And then the scriptures tell us that Jacob, the father of the 12 brothers, died. Now, finish this up. During those 17 years, do you think the brothers might have ever got together and talked about what they had done to Joseph, selling them as a slave, lying to their father? Think they might have ever come up in their private conversations. You know, it is hard when the sins we did 30 years ago keep showing up in our lives years later. But they will do that. The brothers were convinced the only reason Joseph hadn't punished them for what they had done was because of his love for his father. But they wondered, what's going to happen? When their father Jacob died, Jacob was already 143 years old. How many of you know when you get to be 143, your days are kind of numbered? <laughs> you know, when we don't see genuine reconciliation, we live in fear of one another. What's going to happen when the other person has all restraints removed from them? What's going to happen when they come into power? or when somebody dies. As I mentioned last week, Joseph is a figure that points us to Jesus Christ. Just like Joseph's brothers all bowed down to him, so we also will have to one day bow down before Jesus Christ. And just as Joseph's brothers would one day have to give an account for the choices they made with Joseph's wife, so one day we too 
for what we do with the life of Jesus Christ. Joseph's brothers, they saw that Joseph had provided a home for them. They saw how Joseph had not only kept them alive, but provided generously for them in the land of Goshen. They were in the best of the land of Egypt. But it wasn't because they deserved it or because they were better than anyone else. It was because God's favor was on the life of Joseph. And God had a plan of salvation for the world that included this family. My friends, God has blessed some of us, some of our lives tremendously. I know we want to think we earned it or we deserved it, but how many of you know without God's favor, it would not have happened? Why is it that God has placed us where we are today? Why is it that God has blessed you with the resources that you have? Could it be that God is wanting to use you for the salvation of others? Why do you have extra free time in the midst of COVID-19? Have you asked God what should you be doing with it? How many of you honestly believe God wants you to go through every Netflix show that there is during this time? How many of you have gone to right now media to help yourself grow spiritually? You know, we can lay up treasures for ourselves here on earth, but if we do, guess where they remain? On earth. Jesus said it would be far better to lay up treasures in heaven by using what we have today to expand the kingdom of God. You know, it's kind of sad that Joseph's brothers were in a relationship with Joseph, but they really didn't know their brother. They really didn't trust him, and they weren't convinced that he could possibly love them after what they had done. That thing had happened 34 years ago. You know, it's really sad when people boast of, I haven't spoken to them in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and wear it like a badge of honor. How many blessings did God have that could have been theirs if they had just been ahead and forgiven them? Jacob had made a request before he died. He said, when I die, don't bury me here in Egypt. Take me back to uh, Canaan and bury me near my wife, Leah. So when he died, all the brothers had to go back up, go back to where they had grown up. For some of them, this was the first time in 17 years they had been home. For Joseph, it was the first time in 34 years that he had been home. And all those memories came back to the surface. The good as well as the bad, the places where they had grown up. And if Joseph had been anything like me, you know where I would have went? I would have went to see the pit. I would have went to see where it was God had brought me from. But then I would have to fight all over again my feelings toward my brothers over what they had done. When the burial was finally over three months after Joseph's death, we come to today's passage. It says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and 
to him. Can I ask you something again? Is there anybody here besides me who has a hard time admitting they were wrong even when they knew they were wrong? Even in the smallest of things, person said, well, why do you have an attitude? I ain't got no attitude. <laughs> the brothers had had 17 years to come to Joseph, either individually or as a group, to ask Joseph for forgiveness. We would simply rather try to do something nice for the person and hope they forget about it than just coming clean. You see, that's not how reconciliation takes place. You know, when we sin, does God say, well, no problem, and move on? No. When we sin, I know at least what I said, the Holy Spirit starts bothering me about that sin. And the Holy Spirit keeps bothering me until I either do something about it, like confess and repent, or my heart starts to grow cold in that particular area, and it becomes hard. Some people want a relationship with God, but will never admit their sin has broken the heart of God. They think if they just keep doing nice things for God, it's going to be enough. How many of you know you have to first repent to be brought into a right relationship with God? We have to repent and admit the wrong we have done to each other for a real reconciliation to take place. Even the wrong, even though the wrong itself might have been unintentional. Right now, we're talking about how do we heal as a country when it comes to, to race relationships. It's going to start with a repentance. Now, I know some of you have not uh, appreciated that I haven't been as up forefront in the Black Lives Matter movement as other pastors. Here's why. There is a difference between the Black Lives Matter group and the Black Lives Matter 
You know what? Without repentance. And some of those people that's marching in Portland, have they repented of their racism? Have they repented of their discrimination? What are they still marching for? It's 48 days. Still people getting destroyed. Property being destroyed. Vandalism occurred. This is one time I know I get in trouble for this. But I'm glad it ain't us that's doing the writing and the damaging and the fighting and the fussing. Joseph's brothers won't humble themselves to allow Joseph to freely forgive them. That's where so many people are today. They will not humble themselves to admit they are sinners in need of a Savior. And therefore, they will not allow Jesus to forgive them. Look at verse 16 and 17. So they sent word to Joseph saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to Joseph, Joseph wept. You know, instead of coming clean, they are still trying to hide behind their father. Joseph, if you want your father's memory to be a happy one, this is the last request he made beyond the grave. They're telling Joseph, you must do this because our father said for you to do this. The brothers are completely oblivious to the reality that God is at work in their family despite all their problems. They do not see that they are as much a part of the plan of God as Joseph is for the salvation of the nation. They have gotten so comfortable with the awkwardness in their relationship to Joseph, they are willing to accept it as normal. Any of you who are married, you know what it is to experience the awkwardness in your marriage. You're not really fussing and fighting, but you can tell something just isn't right, and until you deal with what it is that isn't right, that awkwardness stays there. The brothers saw Joseph through a pair of very distorted eyes. When I read this passage, I wonder, how did they do that? Who, who did they send word to Joseph with this, about this alleged request from their father? Did they send a sermon to announce to Joseph what they said? Did they send a note? Did they send a letter? 
you're not in the place you're supposed to be, you always assume the worst about a situation. You assume the worst about why the person did what they did. They thought to themselves, Joseph is so bad. He is so angry. He couldn't control himself. The tears just burst right out of him. If we don't get on there and apologize in person, we are going to get what we deserve and probably a whole lot more. He can wipe us out. He can wipe out our families. Their kids are Joseph's nieces and nephews. Why would Joseph want to get rid of his nieces and nephews because of something they're sick about? Fathers did. Another thing. Why is it taking them 17 years to come to the conclusion they need to confess and repent and try to make things right? Why has it taken 200 years for people to finally say, we need to stop glorifying people who were racist, people who have done all they can to keep us down? Why is it just now that they're talking about, we're going to take out the Confederate statue? What? Is it because there's a genuine change of repentance in their heart? Or is this just a political gesture that's going nowhere? How long are we ourselves waiting to own up to things that we have done where we have hurt others? And we know it's true and they know it's true. These brothers, they ran into that palace as fast as they could and they fell on their knees and they got in front of Joseph and said, we are your slaves. In other words, you have the right to do to us as we did to you. All because they were afraid of Joseph's tears. I want you to know something. Those were not the tears of anger. Those were the tears of sorrow and of reconciliation. Those were the same tears that would flow from the eyes of Jesus centuries later when he looked at the people of Jerusalem and he wept over them on Palm Sunday because he knew they would reject him. He knew God was trying to do for them through him. Joseph knew that likewise his brothers were blind to what he was trying to do for them these past 17 years. So we find in Genesis 19 what Joseph said. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them. And he spoke to them kindly. 
You know, if we're talking about real racial reconciliation, at what point do we say to our brothers and sisters who are of a lighter hue, you meant it for you, but God meant it for good. So that there is a reaching out on both sides of the divide. You know, Joseph's brothers could have had lives filled with peace and joy in their relationship to him, but they lost out because they were afraid and would not believe he intended to bless their lives. Joseph had matured to the point where he could see a much bigger picture than just himself. He saw the salvation of families taking place. He saw the hand of God in everything that happened to him. And he quit seeing things as mere coincidences. Jesus could say the same thing of us. He said, he could say to me, he could say to you, when you sin, you intended to harm me in your rebellion, in choosing sin over choosing me. But all while you were doing, God was still working in your situation to bring us together so that you and others could be saved. Joseph went through a lot. He went through pain, abandonment, and rejection before finally being exalted. He learned to see that God was sovereign and in full control, even when it looked as though God was absent. My friend, Jesus likewise went through abandonment, through pain and rejection. And while on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For in that moment when Jesus took our sin upon him, and the wrath of God fell upon him, the Father turned away to many, Jesus' death looked like a total defeat. But in the plan of God, he was exalted and given a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. God was able to keep a promise to Abraham, which covered a 450 years period. God told Abraham, I'm going to send your descendants into Egypt and I'm going to bring them out as a nation and it's going to take 450 years to do it. And God did it. Now, if God could keep that promise over the course of 450 years, surely God can keep his promise to you and to me that one day our need shall bow. Our tongues shall confess that Jesus is Lord. My friends, isn't it better for you to do those things now so that it will lead to your eternal salvation than it will be for you to bow and then hear the words, depart from me into the place prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, Jesus is not an option that we can throw away without there being eternal consequences. The reality is this. 
We all have a sin problem that keeps us separated from each other and from God. And we're never going to be good enough to make reconciliation happen on our own. It is in surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ that we discover what we need and the power we need to be made right with others and to be made right with God. Ask this. When you look at your own life, who do you need to be reconciled with today? Who have you written out? Who do you kind of despise in your heart because they disagree with you? Who is God pointing to you and to me and say, let's deal with this. Let's 